Welcome to Subcutaneous, a beneath-the-skin look at medicine with myself, Dr. Goddard. And me, just David. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah, this is a, uh, a long overdue episode. It's a catch-up episode. I think it's been like six months since we did an episode. I know. I was going to say, I don't even remember what our last episode was. Hector, maybe. Yeah, it was definitely Hector. And then... We don't really have a good excuse for not making a podcast. It's just Kinda. been crazy. Yeah. It was crazy when we started this, but it's kind of extra crazy. Fallen now. on the like, back burner. We kind of got through winter here. We've been doing a lot of skiing and snowmobiling. Yeah. And Lindsay has, of course, been traveling. All over the place. I've been, I don't know if it's picked up per se, but I feel like I tried to make my schedule better. Ha. Um, and it hasn't really gone according to plan. I tried to change my schedule where um, I'm home every weekend, so I'm ideally traveling on Mondays and Fridays, but sometimes the airlines and the travel community have gotten the best of that situation, and so last weekend I was home for 16 hours, and that was tough, but... Yeah, and you know, kind of despite all the uh, all the travel you do, you've actually had pretty good luck as far as weather yeah, and delays and stuff goes. You know, for somebody who's traveled basically full-time for... A year now you've missed one or two flights because yeah. of delays and sometimes it gets canceled so like last weekend it was because of a cancellation that happened like a month or two in advance actually i think they cut that whole travel schedule down so but so did you now that we're kind of we're almost like a year of you kind of being we are real a year. full-time well, locums yeah, I started locums in December of 2021. But that was just like one gig. And I was kind of going once a month, and then it didn't really fully pick up till June of 20... We're 23 right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so June of 22 is when I really picked up. So it's been a full six months of steady work. Well, it's been like nine or ten months. June is nine months if we're in March, so... Yeah, so eight, yeah, eight full months of full-time travel. Did you imagine when you started that you would be this busy? Oh, no, never. I was worried, and that's why I said yes to everything. I was like, anytime somebody contacted me about a job, you know, two years ago, I would say yes to it. Mm-hmm. And now I tell people, nope, but I have a handful of people who've contacted me now since I've been out for a while doing this, and people have seen how well it's been going. I've received people who are interested in doing what I do, and now been able to pass them along to yeah. these interested companies that reach out to me so it seems like somebody gets put in touch with you or reaches out probably once a month as far yeah. as like you kind of have a long conversation with them about what it's mm-hmm. like and how to arrange it yeah that's been you know and then of course i'm talking to i, I feel like i'm usually talking to somebody in a sort of mentorship ish fashion maybe once a month because it's either talking about locums or sometimes I talk to people about the two different fellowships I did did there was always somebody kind of interested especially in the application season um and I I was on the other end of that when I was a applicant myself you know it's always good to talk to people who have done that fellowship or maybe done a different one and get their perspective um and so it's nice to be able to I guess uh feed or pay that forward the advice I got and now give it to other people so but that keeps me busy in the evenings at the hotels and when I'm away things like that but we've definitely been trying to make the most of our weekends when I've been home too yeah come home try and get as much laundry done as I can and then hit the ski slope 
Yeah, Lindsay's been doing a lot of skiing this year. I kind of got back into it as well on the weekends where the snows aren't really good. I'll go up and uh, snowboard with her. We've been having a pretty good time doing that. I'm actually, uh, the season's wrapping up here, so yeah. I'm excited to get back into the boat. I know. Well, and the reason David says that he skis when the snow is not good, people are going to listen to that and be like, what? That makes zero sense. Is because he likes to snowmobile Yeah. when the snow is good. Yeah, when we've got fresh snow and good powder like snowmobiling's where it's at so yeah at least for me so some on those weekends Lindsay will go up and hang out with her friends on the mountain and yeah go a day and then i'll either go up afterwards or you know just meet back at the house yeah so it's been busy between that and then the new addition of our dog which i think has been since we've done the podcast so yeah um we have like a 10 or 11 year old doberman now who likes us to be at home at least one of us yeah he was a uh, surprise addition to the family yes but. but we love him and it's been an adventure to say the least taking care of him i think that's been part of the big addition to our time yeah for sure because he's kind of a you know he's low emotional need high medical need <laughs> yes this is true <laughs> so there's definitely been uh, some investment of time and energy and money into uh, getting him kind of back up to snuff but yep he's a happy sweet boy so he's good to have around it's nice for me because i'm just i work from home and we live kind of in a remote area like up on the side of a mountain mm-hmm. and like i just sit at home all week long yeah and i'm <laughs> and gone like, no one even in the evenings around him <laughs> yeah like so it's like i don't have any real companionship the cat is a jerk he only hey. likes Lindsay. <laughs> so it's like me here you know doing my work i plow the driveway and like take care of the house and stuff like that and then walk the dog every day yeah i'm glad that david's got a a buddy because it's hard i mean that's part of the travel life i think people don't talk about which we could even touch base on potentially is just yeah. like uh it's impact on relationships and things at home which has always been a struggle for me for me once i started to be fully busy um i finally realized like i had started a book club probably two or three years ago maybe two years ago and um once i started traveling full-time i never am able to go to book club anymore because it's always during the week and david and i used to enjoy a a run club here in Mm -hmm. spokane on the south hill it's on tuesday nights though and so and book clubs usually on wednesday or thursdays and so basically anything that's monday through thursday night is going to be nearly impossible for me to go to so it takes a hit on your me for me my social life definitely um well, do you want to talk about the relationship, too? Yeah, I mean, we can I talk about that. Because I personally, like, yes, it definitely has an impact on our relationship and, like, how much time we spend together. But at the same time, I think we have it really good in that Lynn's home pretty much every weekend. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not... I, it would be a lot harder if she was doing, like, a six-week locums rotation or something right. like that. And I saw her once you know kind of in the middle of that she'd make a trip home or i'd make a trip out of there but because she's home every weekend and generally it's for you know usually more than 12 hours hours. yeah Yeah. it's over 48 (laughs) hours or something like that so i think we have it while it's not nice or good it's not it's not a really it's not a super hard situation either yeah although sometimes i joke with people and with my therapist that I'm in a long distance relation, a weird long distance relationship, um, because it feels like that sometimes there's definitely aspects of it that are 
long distance and we have a friend who um her significant other travels for work and she kind of we i've chatted with her about it too just to have kind of a friend in a similar situation Mm -hmm. who acknowledges that yes it's hard and different to be in that and she's been in true long distance relationships and it's different but has its own hardships like along that are similar with other long distance relationships so and i've never been in one of those before so i don't i don't know i guess this is my first glimpse at it yeah i don't think i've ever been in like a really long term you know long distance relationship and this is kind of worth talking about too is it's like at least for now in the immediate future we don't see an end to your Mm -hmm. locum's work Mm -hmm. so it's like kind of something where i feel like i've kind of settled into the idea of this is like what things are going to look like for a while at least for i think you've settled into it more than me yeah (laughs) and i'm okay with that like i don't feel too threatened by the idea that you're traveling all the time and stuff like that it's just it is what it is it's not ideal but this is this this is the hand we have Mm -hmm. yeah and there's definitely some i try and think of the pluses to it too yeah which is like i basically have full flexibility over my schedule if i want um if you could turn down anything right but we're still gonna be i'm gonna be off for i think from like last day of work till i start up again it's almost like five weeks four and a half um maybe four that i'm completely off um so that we can go to your or asia yeah. um for some travel so i may or may not have been able to probably could have done that but it would have taken up most of my paid time off yeah, from a it's traditional taken up most job of mine that's true <laughs> good thing you work from home yeah so we're kind of i guess figuring that out figuring it out more than when we started the podcast how to make it work and for people i've talked to who are interested in doing locums i think I was talking to somebody recently, and I told her I think it would be really hard if you were trying to date. Um, Are we not trying to date? Are we not dating? No, like first start dating somebody. Oh, versus like being in a long-term relationship. I would say we're in a long-term relationship now. If we're changed our thing, anyways, I only saw you like in the first three months, maybe two or three, four times. That's true. When we very first started dating, I was very busy. Because yeah. I made myself busy. Yeah, you were traveling all the time then. That's you were just true. traveling on weekends to go right, see which, other people and stuff. Yeah, it was the opposite of what I do now. So uh, I can, I mean, I could, you could make it work. Like you definitely, it'd be way harder to, it'd be way harder if you were on like long term locums gigs for sure. Right. I yeah. think if you're on a weekly gig like where you're back yeah. every weekend, you could, it wouldn't really have too much effect. And we were talking more in the sense of this person being gone for a few weeks at a time. Yeah. But she had no interest in dating uh, well, I think, right now. I think it'd be much harder if you had an actual family too. Oh. Like with a kid. Yeah. You know, that's something, you know, we kind of talk about and discuss mm-hmm. over time is like, okay, well, you know, obviously this would not be sustainable with, you know, having a child. Right. Because you just wouldn't be around. Like, even, yeah. even being back every weekend. Like, I know there's a lot of families out there that do work that way and like you know and probably for the most part it's the husband who travels Mm -hmm. and is gone for you know a week on business and then comes back and then goes and then goes which is very different when it's a newborn too yeah because of breastfeeding and things like that so we've definitely talked about while this may be longer term than we ever imagined it because my non-compete contract expires in september technically um so that was like the hope was that maybe in by the end of this year i would be kind of moving on mm-hmm. uh but it doesn't look like that that's gonna happen so 
Um, even though it seems longer term, it's not forever. I think we've realized this is not sustainable yeah. in that sense. Unless I was just doing it like once a month and had another gig in town that I was doing the other time. Yeah, and we, it's just not sustainable. And what sense you're talking about is just the energy required. Mm-hmm. And that too. Do you feel like, well, I guess this is an interesting question. You know, you've been, we talk about sustainability a lot, like as far as just on the podcast is like what it's like to be a med student yeah what it's like to be a resident do you feel like this is easier than being a med student or resident or is this kind of the same energy level you had to maintain through those like did it get easier when you finished Hmm. your last fellowship i think that is a good question i think that so my last well my first fellowship my most fellowship was much different than my cosmetic surgery fellowship in that I would say my Mohs fellowship was much more demanding of my time. Um, and so I would say this is less work than that because that I was working five days a week around you know, 10 to 12 hours a day. I had weekends off, but I was before COVID moonlighting on Saturdays to try and make enough money to do well in California and pay my rent and things like that. So um, I don't know, it's so different, but it is, it's energy in a different way. Mm. And every time I start a new rotation a new gig or a new assignment it's kind of like starting a new rotation would be in med school where you're kind of like learning like okay how do you guys do things how do you function so I think med school gives you the tools that you need to be like starting a new job all the time Um, but at the end of the day I am the attending and so I can say this is how I want it done versus when you're a med Mm -hmm. student or a fellow or a resident or whatever it may be you're still catering to how that attending wants things done. And so I have more control than I even did as a resident or a fellow. Yeah. I remember as, you know, when I was a uh, iron worker, you go to jobs and sometimes a job would be long-term and you'd work there for months and stuff like that. And these were kind of assigned to you. It was kind of like med students where, you know, mm-hmm. you just get told where you're going to go and when mm-hmm. you're going to go and stuff like that. And But, you know, a job might last I think six months or something like that then one day it's just like job's over and you know you go and the next day you get assigned to go somewhere completely different with a completely different group of people and that was always very nerve-wracking to me and be like oh wow it's it's starting a new job every day except I'm not the boss I'm the guy who gets screamed at (laughs) yeah no that's the med student that's definitely being a med student you're the guy that gets screamed at and I think but I think that sets you up well for the future too like I remember some of my nurses will be like I can't believe you do that you like start a new job every week and it's almost like it doesn't bother me anymore because you become so immune to it and you're so ready just to like jump in head first and be yelled at and then while you're doing the yelling no I'm not (laughs) I don't yell I'm nice okay (laughs) you can pull my nurses that work with me and MAs that work with are we not taking votes from the ones who cry well, that is a very unique circumstance. <laughs> and it wasn't entirely my fault. Okay. Most can be a pretty demanding uh, job on the nurses, especially if they're used to general dermatology. It's very different. So that has been a recurring theme in my rotations is people who are constantly doing something else, and then I come in and require different skill sets. and Expect them to work. Expectations of... Yeah, it's different type of work, though, than yeah. they're used to, I think, too. But I think a lot of that is kind of the demands of, you know, being a locums person, too. Mm-hmm. Like, when you go in there, they expect you to get 
to wiggle down their caseload and get right. people done and in and out and stuff yeah. like that. And it's not kind of a lollygag situation that maybe people are used to in their day-to-day work where it's like, yeah. okay, we did seven patients today. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think too, the difference is I come in and now we're doing surgery and before they were seeing medical patients, you know, so it's a different, it's just a different mm-hmm. feel and more hands-on for the nurses and more work because it is more hands-on and so some of them really love it like i have some nurses that are like i love it when you're here i love surgery i love this and they thrive and do well and others might like surgery but not enough to work Mm -hmm. twice or three times as hard as they do doing what they normally do yeah and then the other thing too is they're getting most likely i don't pay these people so i have no idea but they're probably getting paid the same and there's no sort of incentive for these people to work harder I think that's the crux of the problem, too. So Yeah, but like a lot of your contracts, there's no incentive for you to work particularly hard, either. Only You're one of them. the day. Or... Yeah, only one of my contracts is okay. set up that way. But, yes, yeah, there is no incentive. I think the incentive for me at that particular location is that there are bad tumors there, and these people are on wait lists, and I'm the only person that does their surgeries, and, and they're not willing to travel, and so... That really, truly is the incentive is patient care and mm. providing high quality patient care for the community. So, another interesting aspect of our last uh, six months is uh, Lindsay's been doing some interviewing around the country for various actual full time positions. Yeah, permanent, like non locums. Non locums positions. I kind of think this is interesting in that one, I'm generally involved in these, like mm-hmm. not only does Lindsay want me involved but the practice she's interviewing wants me involved and brings me out mm-hmm. and like we sit down at dinner and stuff like that so that's kind of a conceptually interesting to me but also the process Lindsay goes through when she talks to these people and uh, what she's looking for in work and stuff like that so yeah. when you're kind of you know and this might be kind of surgical specialty sort of stuff but when you're talking to these companies companies yeah. it, i guess it's generally not just a single private practice but rather these are mostly what they are they vary i guess i've kind of since my last job ended have talked to several different varieties of practice from like a single owner private practice to a like private equity backed large private practice firm um about full-time non-locums jobs and I think that I've learned a lot not just from my first job but also from doing locums in these places about what I might want in a future job and so I think I've learned to ask better questions Mm -hmm. of the companies because I do think too a couple things but one I really want to find a job that's a good fit and I think on the flip side of that, the companies want that too. They're invested in that. I agree with that. It looks, I, and I think that's even part of like them bringing even yes. me out. It's like they're looking for not just the physician who's a good fit, but like the person who's going to their whole family or like mm-hmm. their whole life's going to kind of integrate into what they're building. Yeah, because they want somebody to stay, which makes sense. Patients are happier when they're seeing the same physician like you don't want your you'd be sad if your like favorite primary care doctor or your favorite dermatologist moved or even your Mohs surgeon if you were getting lots of skin cancer surgeries mm-hmm. um, and then you have to find somebody new who you like and trust 
And then I think just from like a recruiting standpoint and like job satisfaction standpoint, it's important for the practice to, to find a good fit. Um, but I also think that from my standpoint, there are good questions for me to ask. Like I want to do my, I've really been able to reflect and say, okay, what is my ideal job look like? And I think when you're new and fresh out of residency, or even if you're like desperate for a job, you might be willing to tweak like, oh, my ideal job is this, but yeah. I would settle for that. Um, and I think I'm just at a point with all the locums too. It gives me like a really good vantage point of like, I don't need to settle for anything. Like I can find what I think is the perfect job potentially. And I might say, hey, oh yeah, I'll settle in one aspect when I'm gaining another aspect that's yeah. positive. Um, but I want to know what I'm settling for and why. Well, that, that's a real advantage of doing the locums too, right? Because you experience working mm-hmm. at all these different places that do things all differently mm-hmm. from, you know, the smallest private practice to the biggest, you know, yeah. corporate and I think hospital. I think doing locums, I would love to do locums at whatever practice I decide to go into before I sign a contract to work with them mm-hmm. full time because I think it gives you way more insight than even spending one day with a group. But that is one thing that I've learned that I make myself do now um, is bef- that I didn't do before. I tried to, but it was hard, um, is that I make sure that they're having a Mo's surgery day when I come to interview and I require that of them and that I'm involved in that day to some capacity. It doesn't even have to be a full day, but I need to see like how many rooms they have. How, what do their nurses do and what how do they function and what is their lab like uh-huh. for me those are important aspects of my job and so shadowing in a clinic for even a morning I think can be pretty insightful and then another question that I've learned to ask or incorporate is because for me my ideal job which is that I want to be able to do at least three full days a week of Mo's ideally four days a week of Mo's but I could potentially fill that fourth day with like excisions and, you know, Follow-ups cosmetics, and, general derm, yeah. minor general derm. Um, but I also think if we were to move, we are a package deal too, I think. And so for us to move and take a sacrifice in like one part of our life, such as our social aspect, then the job has to be perfect, you know? And so in order to figure out if they can fulfill that need for me as far as like, um, how many days a week of Mo's I'm doing? It's not how many days a week of Mo's am I? Are they able to let me do the true question? At least for me, is like how many cases a year can I do? Mm. And then from that, I can extrapolate. Okay, how many days would I be doing ten to twelve cases, which is what I like to do, because they could say, oh yeah, you can do four days a week of Mo's. Well, that might be six cases a day, and so for me, that's only two days a week of Mo's. And so that has been a huge um, yeah, change in what I ask for. Yeah, and it's definitely a more it's it's more clarifying than asking how many days a week can you keep me busy? Because yeah, it's mm-hmm. exactly yeah they can give you six cases, but can they keep you? Can they give you ten days or ten cases a day, four days a week? Right. And like a lot of times you find that well, maybe not even a lot of times, but it's an important question to ask because. And then you have to not only ask the question, but you have to follow up with yes. them and get them to actually show you their numbers to show that they yeah. can actually give you what they're show saying. Show me how many cases you guys did last year, which has been honestly pulling teeth to try and get from different practices. But you find a lot of times that what, you know, 
what they say they can do and what they actually historically can do are two very different mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, well, we think this is going to happen promises that mm-hmm. happen. That's a good point. Um, like, oh, this person's going to retire or like this person's going to cut back. And, and I believe them that they're saying that and they believe it when they're telling me it. But that doesn't mean that something could happen to that person's life where they might not be able to retire anymore even though they were planning on it um and so i think just like having that insight and knowledge that like that may 100 percent be the plan but the but life doesn't go according to plan yeah um is important for me and i have found that i don't necessarily want to go anywhere that's like well well, once this person does this because i can't can't count on it yeah and even if i 100 percent trust that person and think that they will follow through i just think as i've gotten older i realize like something could happen like devastating to them or you you have to take the job they can give you right now right not the job they're promising you yes so it's like i and i definitely agree with that like it's really easy to promise the world and this is not just in physicians but in anything but it's like okay but what is my job right now right what will my job be the day i move here how many cases can you give Mm me like am i expecting oh this doctor or another practice is going to require and we're going to or retire and we're going to go scoop up their caseload here in two or three years like that's pretty that's pretty nebulous promise right there Mm -hmm. or even that's been a promise I've gotten before. Another promise I've gotten is um, that they plan on moving in a certain amount of time. Like, oh, we're going to move into a bigger, built, bigger, nicer building um, once you sign, you know. Or um, I promise to give you my cases. I've had a lot of that, too. Like, well, if you join me, I will give you my Mo's cases. There's no, yeah, no guarantee, guarantee there. of that. Yeah. So um, even though there's people who have told me that and I 100% believe them um like I said things out of our control happen in life too so um yeah I think that's really good advice particularly for people you know who are residents looking to mm -hmm. interview and stuff like that and you know or people looking at fellowship opportunities or yeah maybe not so much for fellowship but I would say definitely for your first first or any other job outside of like training purposes um but yeah fellowship it's nice to know the numbers too like how many cases do you guys normally do a year because that gives you an idea of how many you're going to do in your training Um, well and not just in your training but like how many what percentage would you say of fellows stay on where they train oh yeah that too um that's super is that not very common Mm, it depends on so, the fellowship probably yeah there's some fellowships out there one in particular i can think of very you know prominently that's like they're always trying to hire their fellows because they want more people to work there and there are other fellowships like the one i did where they don't even really want you to stay in the area you know mm-hmm. um so and i think that that's not I think more fellowships are the latter where they don't even want you to stay in the area. Yeah. It's just um, because competition. then you become their competition. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it's actually illegal fellowships. Can't, that can't be part of your contract as a fellow, um, part per ACGME rules. So only illegal in like a ACGME fellowship, um, which is the American college of graduate medical education. And not all fellowships are accredited that way. But, uh, for those, it, you can't have that sort of language in your contract. So they language can't as far stop as, you. 
as stop you from staying in the area. Right. Okay. Yeah. There's like no non-compete in a sort fellowship, of thing yeah. in a ACGME accredited fellowship. Nah. So if you do a fellowship that is not accredited, they very well could put that in your contract and it would be mm-hmm. um, sound. Well, sound is a given non-compete can be. Sure. That's a legal issue and I'm not a lawyer. So <laughs> seek legal advice, not mine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so interesting. I talk to my patients a lot about this non-compete thing because everyone's always so bewildered by the fact that I travel so much for work and don't actually have a job in Spokane. Um, and so I definitely think it's something it might, I thought it was coming to the limelight more with this new Biden law, Yeah, but I still don't think many people know what they are or understand them. And I think what we're talking about is the FCC, I think is considering, you know, is in a public commentary period for basically making non-competes illegal. Yeah. Or at least severely restricting what they can do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we both definitely agree that the position you're put in where you're forced to go and like, you know. And I don't think it's good for the community either. It's that same comment of like Mm -hmm. your doctor leaves and now they can't even, you might love them and want to keep going to them and they can't, they have to leave. Yeah. I don't think that's good for anybody. So, well, except the business. Yeah, (laughs) except the businesses. Exactly. Yeah. And I can understand it from a perspective of like, it would be sucky to have a doctor leave and take a bunch of staff with them right. and then yeah, take and a bunch of happen. patients with them and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And like, I get that, but also like the non, you know, there are a lot of completely arbitrary non-competes as well. Mm-hmm. Like at some point as a business, you're going to suffer losses and patients are going to go other places and things well, like and that. Well, and the thing too. is and a lot of people wait out that 18 months and then still, Mm-hmm. or however many months it might be, 24 or 12, and then still set up shop in, across the street. So did did that really change too much? Yeah. Hard maybe, to say. maybe yeah. not. I mean, I, it's, I kind of view it as like a cooling off period because it's really easy for somebody to say, walk out with a bunch of staff in a huff, you know, over, you know, some office fight or something, and then they're going to go open their own practice a month later. After 12 months... All the staff has kind of cooled their heels mm-hmm. and things like that. And like the patients have gotten new a new provider. And so I, I agree that it works. Do I agree that it's ethical or right? No. Right. Like I think, uh, I don't know. Do you, did you see the uh, Dr. Glockenflecken video on, uh, on this law change? Maybe. Yeah. And I think he kind of nailed it and he was like, you know, God forbid that providers be able to go where they're treated well yes, and yeah, are happy yeah. and do the best that they can without, you know, having to suffer under a non-compete for, you know, a given amount of time so that, you know, these big corporate hospital chains and stuff like that don't lose any patients. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it staff. forces people to back to like our original comment about interviewing for jobs and people wanting to keep um, their providers and happy I think if there's no non-compete that is even mm-hmm. more encouraged you know like they have more reason to keep um, to treat their providers to treat well. them well yeah. yeah so I don't know I I think obviously I don't think non-competes are a good thing um, because I've been the Victim on the bad of side of it yeah um, but and I, I mean I get it from a business perspective a little bit but I also think that like 
the business would be better off by keeping their um, providers happy too. I think everybody mm-hmm. would be better off. So, well, and I think you know, and kind of interesting idea from it is even though like you did not you do not want to be in the situation personally where you're in a non-compete and you wish it wouldn't have happened at the same time after watching you for the last you know year where you've had to go out and do locums and stuff like that you've grown tremendously as a physician and as a you know a boss and Mm -hmm. as a person who comes in and knows best practices to all these different places it's very uh, fascinating and i'm proud to watch you grow a lot over the last year too well thanks yeah it's been definitely been a good experience I've told people before, I don't know if it's something I would recommend as like your first job straight out of fellowship, but honestly, the more I've been doing it, I don't, I don't know if I still agree with that sentiment. I'd, I think that it might be harder to do locums right away, right out of fellowship, but um, I don't necessarily think that I would discourage it anymore because Just I do because think- because of all you're exposed to. Right. I think it's such a good growing period that it, you could definitely do just fine straight out. Um do you think that necessarily applies to all medical specialties? I don't know. It's hard to say. I think that actually doing locums is a little bit straight out of residency or fellowship is a little bit more common in hospital-based specialties. So sometimes when I'm on, I work at a hospital on one in one of my gigs. And so um, in that gig specifically, I will run into other locums doctors because it's in a rural town. Um, and I have found that many of them some of them are straight out of fellowship or training in like these hospital subspecialties because I think it doesn't really matter where they go. Whereas mm. like for Mo's, with my first job, I was like still working with another Mo's surgeon. So it was kind of almost like an extended fellowship, which I thought was very nice to kind of get like, okay, this is how it works outside of a fellowship where yeah. you don't have fellows doing your closures for you or things like that. Um and I know people who did general dermatology as a locum stock straight out. I think the hardest thing from both of those perspectives is that you don't get to follow patients long term. Yeah. Um, so even though I've been doing some of my locums jobs for almost a year now, um, I still am usually not the person to see people in follow up just because I'm there to do surgery and do as many surgeries as I can. And then I leave. I don't have the flexibility in my schedule as I would if I was a full-time employee to, like, see those follow-ups, especially given the volume of cases that I do. So I think that that's the biggest. And and the flip side is true with general dermatology, too. You know, you have these long-term patients who you're following for chronic diseases or complicated medical processes that you like to watch and see get better and see how the medicines work. And you're probably Mm. losing out on some of that, especially for these gigs that are, like, three months at a time and then you covering somebody's maternity leave or something and then you don't come back yeah so um that's one of the negatives do you feel like sometimes you struggle with the idea that you can't just by nature of not being there and they're not really being anyone there for these people Mm -hmm. like struggle with the idea that they're not getting the best care that they could be provided Mm. it's like because it's not even like really any fault of your own it's just there's nobody there for them and you can only be there that's not how every location is though Mm -hmm. so some locations there are people doing most surgery there too and i definitely find that some things are easier in those senses because i know there's somebody who if there's some sort of complication or anything that goes wrong afterwards there's somebody very equipped to handle it um 
but yeah i mean i think that there are some things just like certain repairs and different things that i would prefer to be so like in wisconsin for example i don't do and in minnesota i don't do any interpolation flaps so flaps that require a takedown in like three to four weeks just because i am not there and there is not a mo surgeon there mm-hmm. when i'm gone to see the patients for follow-ups usually they need to be seen like every week uh for bandage changes and reassurance and things like that or if there was any sort of bleeding or anything going on mm-hmm. um there's nobody there to handle that and so i usually send out those cases to other surgeons if i think they're they will require that type of repair and so i definitely think that i've i changed the way i practice a little bit in the sense that i don't do super complicated repairs but there's nobody there to take care of them right but those patients still get those repairs they're just not by me Mm. so i don't know if they're necessarily getting so who do you send them off to like plastics mm-hmm, or like either either it depends like if it's around the eye oculoplastics if it's on the nose um i'm either sending them to ear nose and throat or facial plastics mm-hmm. um but yeah those patients are getting sent out to and then other they have docs. somebody there who can monitor their recovery and stuff like right. that. right yeah and then the nice thing too as a mose surgeon is all of my cases are referred by a general dermatologist or somebody doing their general dermatology care so when i have these complicated patients as far as like maybe somebody who's high risk for metastasis or needs post-op radiation or something i'll be referring them to um, or coordinating with their general dermatologist that is there full time um so the nice thing is it would be really hard if it was locums general dermatology and locums mos mm-hmm. but none of the places i go that's the circumstance so there is somebody there full time even if they aren't Mo's trained they're at least general dermatology so you trained can kind of communicate yeah. with them and say yeah Here's the so i hope to coor- for... i coordinate with them but would things be easier if i was there full-time hell yes yeah 100 percent. and i even tell some of my practices like wisconsin specifically like if i worked here full-time i have told the staff this before if i worked here full-time things would be a little different like i might be doing these other repairs and like you might be working harder and things mm. like that so um and then you might, I might be seeing more follow-ups and things. Like, I just think you, the schedule is a little different than yeah, if you're you there do. full-time. Yeah. So. We are getting ready to enter another really busy phase in our life. Mm-hmm. This has already been pretty busy. We're sitting down on a Sunday night the day before. Lindsay flies out again. It's 827. I still We just performed <laughs> minor corrective surgery on the dog. Uh, Not Lindsay's corrective. Still, <laughs> minor cosmetic surgery yes. on the dog. <laughs> Uh, Lindsay still needs a pack, but uh, so next weekend we are off to New Orleans. Yeah, the American Academy of Dermatology meeting. This is my first time going to this in person since COVID happened, and since residency and fellowship too. So yeah, uh, the reason we're coming. going is because Lindsay's running out of creams. <laughs> yes, uh, I need all the free samples <laughs> that I can get. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it doesn't look like it when I look in our cabinets, there's a <laughs> shelf and shelf and shelf of samples and boggles and stuff Getting like low. that. Uh, I'm a little bit bummed because I don't get, into get, get to go into the actual exhibit hall, and I was hoping to find some butt cream for the dog. Oh, but <laughs> I guess I'll just sit in our hotel room while Lindsay shops butt cream. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, man. And then after that, we'll move on from the American Academy of Dermatology since David <laughs> can't. Think. I wasn't done. What are we going to do in New Orleans? Uh, have fun. Have It'll fun. be fun. It's going to be super. There's a quite a few couples that I know that are going who David hasn't met. Um, people that I've trained with. It'll be me and all the other guys just hanging out at the and bar in the girls. hotel. Yeah, but Stop being all sexist. your friends are girls. No, not true. <laughs> um, yeah, so. The Lonely Husbands Club. Maybe. See, that could be fun. So we'll get to reunite with quite a few of my friends from training and go to some of the evening parties and hopefully have some really good uh, Creole food. Yes, I have never been to New Orleans, so Beignets. but I do love some Creole food, and it's so I'm ex- I'm excited. We've got a few evening plans, like with the actual conference itself. Then we've got an open evening, and mm-hmm. I'd love to go and explore and you know see a little bit of New Orleans. Yeah, have some great food and some drinks, and yeah, it's gonna be fun but busy. I'm yeah. flying from Wisconsin straight there and david's gonna meet me there from spokane but we both have like early 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 friday morning flights that don't even get us until the afternoon and then early early monday morning flights too so um trying to make the most of it then the weekend after that this is kind of a fun little yeah you got a fellows uh yeah so all the people who've done the cosmetic fellowship that i did here in spokane well not everybody but um cameron chestnut has started a yearly fellow ski reunion up at Schweitzer, which is where I ski. We'll see um, if it's yearly, if it goes more than one year. Yeah, this is the first year. The <laughs> inaugural uh, yearly fellow ski reunion. I hope it goes every year, because it would be super fun. Um, and so that will be the weekend after next. Um, and so that'll be, and we're all kind of gathering a few homes up there on the ski resort. Yep. And spend the weekend skiing and having fun and visiting yeah. and It'll be a blast. Yeah, that should be a good time. And then we've got a couple other weekends of fun events, and the boating season will begin, as David alluded to earlier. And yeah, so we're, we're excited for that. Do some boat races, some volunteering at some races, and stuff like that. Yep. And then we'll be off to Asia at the end of June. So that will be fun. And we're going to go to the um, World Congress of Dermatology in Singapore. Yes, in the we, first week in July, which we originally thought Lindsay was going to be speaking at. Apparently, I'm presenting a poster. Yeah, I'm not cool a, enough to talk. Which is a pretty cake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shh, David. I think she's happy about not having to speak, for sure. and it probably frees her up for a lot more uh, exploration of yeah. Singapore and stuff well, like that. And even originally, I was supposed to speak at the American or thought I might speak at the AAD this weekend, uh, talking about locums, actually. Um, but that didn't come to fruition. So it's it's always nice sometimes to just go and enjoy the meeting and not have to worry too much about mm-hmm. presenting. So so we're going to do a whole little Asian vacation, which yep. we still have not figured out. If anybody here is a really good vacation planner and kind of gets a kick out of that, please reach out. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> we, need, we need your help because neither one of us have any motivation no. to plan a vacation. But we really want to take one. Right. Yeah. We even talked to Ingrid, who did a, who was on the podcast before, uh, Dr. Wayudi, and she loves to plan vacations. So I thought I would get some inspiration from her, but no. 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 <laughs> uh, we got inspiration for places to go yes. and things and to see. It, but then when it comes down to actually sitting down and figuring it out, 
I would rather like pull my toenails out with a pair of tweezers. <laughs> and I just don't have time. It keeps falling to the bottom of the to-do list over and over and over again. Well, here so. it's only like four months away now, so I know, we gotta there will this. be a crunch time where we absolutely yeah, have to figure things like out because we a... don't even know when we're gonna leave or where no. we're gonna go to. The only reason we know anything firm... is because of Singapore. Yeah, have firm plans about any of it. We have a hotel in Singapore already booked and that's it <laughs> so yeah please reach out save us from ourselves yeah <laughs> so we'll figure something out there i'm excited about it i have done uh some asian tourism before Lindsay has not so this nope. will be a first for her yeah uh i love the area it's fantastic and i'm excited to see other countries besides thailand you know, if it really falls down, just all our planning falls flat on our place, I'm just going to replicate my previous Thailand vacation. Yeah. And we're going to go do that and then have a great time. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a good plan. I love that you have a backup plan, babe. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I can re-piece together what I've already done easily enough. There we go. All right. We've got a backup plan, but we would love to have a plan A. So please let us know if you have any ideas. Or people no. who can plan it for us. Yeah, we don't yeah, need ideas. ideas. We've got ideas. We need somebody who's going to sit down and book flights. <laughs> I can book the flights, but. Uh, or tell us exactly tell me where to we're going to go and what we're going to do. Yes, that's what we need. Okay. Thanks for listening. Yep. Thank you, everybody. We will check back in, hopefully, before another six months. Yeah, and maybe we'll have a guest. Oh, that would be nice. Catch you then. Bye. Bye.